Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message from Norm Oberlin, pastor of Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will help strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy. And now, here is Pastor Norm. Well, we are hope bearers. Today's message is going to be a little bit different. Last week was a little bit different. And I expected this week would be more normal until the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and reminded me of what's taking place in two days. So I'd like to open with prayer after the young'uns exit. Father, we thank you again for everything that you have blessed us with. Lord, just the fact that we live in a free country like the United States of America, that alone is a blessing. We thank you for the gift of salvation we thank you for jesus and all that he did for us that we might have life and life in abundance and lord today i pray that you would take this message that i have formed and put on paper and i pray that you would just deliver it lord give us hearts to hear your heart give us ears to hear your your voice lord today help us to see what your plan is for this community, for the the state of Michigan, for the United States of America, and even for the world. Lord, I need you today, and I know every person within the hearing of my voice needs you as well. And we just ask you to come and and join us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Julie, I know you're coming up here in just a minute, but can you just shout out what you shared with me back there? Or you can come up and use a mic either way. I know, she's got that little teeny voice, nobody would hear you. If I shouted. They you would have heard you if, if you'd shared it like you did yeah, back there. Yeah, I, you wouldn't hear me. Um, as we were in praise and worship today, behind me I could hear roaring, just loud roaring from the heavens, like the Lion of Judah. Just, it was so loud. And he's, the Lord said, you know, I've, there's victory today. It's done, so take it. Take it for your healing, take it for your finances, take it for your relationships, whatever you need today. He said, faith takes, so take it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As I said, today's not going to be normal. That's one of the reasons I believe God's going to do something here today that is going to change our future. Today we stand at a major crossroad in this nation. In my opinion, one that hasn't been observed since North versus South. I'm talking about the fight for slavery. Today, Tuesday's election will undoubtedly decide the fate and future of our country. And whether the results will be positive or negative will most certainly be decided by the camp that you place yourself in, if you align with any camp at all. And I've heard from some that they're not even going to vote this year. Well, I propose to you this morning that what we have witnessed over the last several decades have stemmed from a group or groups of people who have been increasingly dissatisfied with the American dream, feeling that the red, white, and blue only applies to a select chosen few. Can you agree with me on that? Some claim it is, white affluent, it is a white affluence problem. Others that it stems from our Christian roots. 
We are told that Christianity is an exclusive religion, one that doesn't tolerate or give the same rights and privileges to other people, other religions, or those claiming no religion at all. You know, both of these premises may be correct. Our nation has been one where whites have been the predominant race. However, I also believe that we have been making strides to improve the balance. But as anyone can see, we're not there yet, are we? As far as our nation being Christian, yes, we were. We were once a nation built upon strong Christian values. And as one American said, who happened to be our first president, George Washington, his first inaugural address, he said this, it would be peculiarly improper to omit in this first official act my fervent supplications to that almighty being who rules over the universe, who presides in the councils of nations, and whose providential aids can supply every human defect. In tendering this homage to the great author of every public and private good, I assure myself that it expresses your sentiments not less than my own, nor those of my fellow citizens at large less than either. No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than the people of the United States. Can I hear an amen there? Every step by which they have been advanced to the character of an independent nation seems to have been distinguished by some token of his providential agency. And to finish this, his thought up, we ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. Our first president. I cannot make excuses, nor will I make excuses, for what the Bible teaches. As far as I'm concerned, no matter how narrow-minded some might call me, true Bible-believing Christians are on the side of right. The good that we have today, I believe, came as a result of a praying people. A people whose majority have called themselves Christian. We need not be embarrassed of this fact. And if on Tuesday, and hear this part, if on Tuesday our nation chooses to take another path, one I believe of accommodation, that is, one where we join the rest of the world under what is intended to be a one-world government, then the future of all Christians will surely change. If you don't believe me, just look at the track record of the United Nations. Observe how many times the 193 nations have joined together to fight for or have strived to end the persecution of Christians around the globe. Almost never. And look at how many of our religious rights and freedoms have been removed by our own high court that no longer considers the original Constitution of the United States of America to be valid. We are now being told by, by some of our justices that even the founding documents of this country need to be changed. 
danger, danger, danger. Don't misunderstand what I'm trying to say. I'm not here to suggest that the United States of America has done everything right. In fact, I'm sure that we, or those acting on our country's behalf, have done wicked things that could be compared to some of the most heinous of crimes. But as wicked as we may be at times, I would also argue that we do much right. Why do so many people want to come to live in America if we're doing things so poorly? Our nation is one of the few that was founded on Christian principles. And I believe it was those principles that have made us great today. We have helped police the world with our military. Not to conquer other nations, but to protect those nations that were too small to protect themselves. We have fought in the United Nations to give other countries the same privileges that you and I enjoy, the right to vote and establish free trade. And it can also be said that we have given and given of our resources to some of the poorest nations on the planet, asking very little in return. Our nation has been great because our influence has been based upon Christian principles like the Ten Commandments. The problem as I see it is those coming into this country having come out of other religions, other philosophies, they bring those religions and those philosophies and those previous ways of thinking with them. They want the freedoms that we Americans have, but then they want to go back to the ways of their homeland. This truly is a case where you cannot have your cake and eat it too. Our freedoms do not lend to Islam or Buddhism. They can't be judged by atheism or Gnosticism. What has made the United States so powerful and so free has been the very thing that almost half our population wants to eliminate. Let me finish. That one thing is faith in the supreme being. Our country was founded on the one true God. The God of Isaac, Abraham, and Jacob. We have nothing to be concerned about in these days, but it hurts to think that we're going to lose the America that we've come to know and love. I believe God is the one that's made us great. So when we pulled the Bible out of the classroom back in the 60s, we took a it, that took a toll on our freedoms and when you have godless parents who neglect to teach their children the good news of Jesus Christ, then you're going to end up with a godless society that no longer wants to be free from sin and death, only free from the virtues of God. And sadly, these same children that have been raised in godless homes are now coming of age and are beginning to have a vote in this great nation. What we are seeing, if you ask me, is a direct result of the church not sharing Jesus Christ with the world. We are truly reaping what we've sown. And that won't change without God's help. But it's not all bad news, I'm here to tell you this morning. If you're a believer, if you're a born-again believer who trusts in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then there's good news for you. First, God gives us hope. Christianity is a religion of hope. 
When the disciples walked with Jesus, their government was much like our government is becoming today. Let me explain. The focus of the Roman leaders was not on God, rather, on man as a God. That's who Jesus had to face. That's who the disciples had to face. The early church had to contend with that type of government. Christianity had become a threat to the Roman government. And in their minds, they needed to eliminate any remnant that represented Jesus. They wanted to abolish it. Just as Christianity has become a threat to so many today. Can you agree with that? We've not seen times like this for many, many, many years. But I believe it's a threat because people want to keep doing their own thing. And the devil knows that he's got to get rid of us before he can usher in the Antichrist. And he's working really hard at it. But the more the Romans tried to destroy God's people, hear this, <laughs> the more God's people grew in their faith and in their numbers. And that's a fact. It seemed nothing could destroy the Christians. They were known as the way back then. Way to go. It was the way to go. It was the way. Today we're known as Christian, you and I. And we are known as Christians. And we are victorious. We heard that. We are victorious in Jesus. He's already given us the victory. It isn't coming. It's already been given to us. Hallelujah. And because of that, church, we have hope. You and I have hope. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, This is why we work hard. Paul saying to young Timothy, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus gives us that hope. Jesus gives us the victory over sin and over death. What do you have to fear? What's the most that's going to happen to you if a, if a group of policemen came in here today and said, Worship, blah, blah, or die. And you said, no, I'm only worshiping Jesus. I'm only worshiping the King of Kings. And if they were to shoot you, where would you go? Woohoo! No, please, don't kill me. No, don't send me to heaven early. No! We have hope. Because we've given our lives to the Lord. Jesus Christ came to give the church victory. Victory over sin and over death. Victory over the darkness. Would you agree that it seems like darkness is taking over? Well, it's maybe, maybe it's because we've got our light under a bushel. Maybe it's because we're not letting it shine as we should. We win, folks. I can promise you we have so much more than the Cubs fans who finally won. If we acted half as excited as they did about what Jesus has done for us, we win! Hallelujah! 
So we can go to the grave knowing that our future is bright. That's our hope. And the blessing is that you and I, the church, we're hope bearers. We get to participate with Jesus and share God's love with others. How are we doing with that? Next week, I'm starting a new series called Risk Takers, Mold Breakers. You're not going to want to miss it. But this week, I want you to understand we are hope bearers. That means we carry the hope of Jesus with us everywhere we go. Right, Sam? In school. In church. In our homes. We carry it. At least we should. Because we are hope bearers. Whether people agree with us or not, we bring the hope of Jesus Christ. Or put another way, we are the hope. We're the hope of this world. People don't realize that, but you and I are the hope of this world. They'll figure it out when it goes the other way. If it keeps moving in the direction it is. And listen, we know according to Scripture that the end is going to come. If you believe that book we call the Bible. Any others here besides me? Could have fooled me there for a minute. The end is coming. And in those days, it's going to be very dark. As his followers, no matter how wicked or evil this country or world may become, know that we don't serve the President of the United States. Nor do we serve the governing body of the United Nations. There is only one whom we serve, and his name is King Jesus. We are one people under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And as I see the body of Christ come together, that's what it represents. There's hope in this room, folks. There's hope. And if you're in here today and you don't have hope, we'll pray for you at the end of this service. We would consider it a privilege because you need to understand, I used to live in darkness. Many of the folks around you used to live in darkness. But we gave that up. We set that aside when Jesus got a hold of our hearts. When he set us free from sin and death. And, I, and we had that hope in us and we began to live as hope bearers. And we love sharing it. We love sharing what Jesus did for us. We are such a blessed people. Number two, God gives us hope. And part of that hope comes from the knowledge that He is always in control. Would you say that with me? He is always in control. Daniel 2, verse 20 and 21. I only share the beginning part here because he's praising the Lord. Daniel was a prisoner. He was a slave to the Babylonian government. They drug him hundreds of miles to a place he'd never been, and there he was expected to live and to serve his new king. Of course, if you've read any of the, the books of Daniel, or the book of Daniel, you realize that did they serve the king? Yes. Did they worship the king? No. 
He was a prisoner, and yet he said this. Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. Verse 21, he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise, knowledge to the scholars. So who would you say controls this planet that we live on? It may not seem like it to us. And we may not get it until we get to heaven. And I believe at that time when we're given infinite knowledge, not like God, but you know, knowledge more than what we have now, I believe it'll all make sense. Why did God allow this king to come and to, to steal away the whole country of Israel? Including Daniel. And it may be said, why did God allow the king to take over, this wicked king to take over in the United States of America? And we'll go, who cares? We know God sets the kings in place. He removes them and he sets them up for his good purpose. That should give you some hope. This election, 2016, is not taking God by surprise. He didn't just wake up yesterday and go, oh man, Tuesday. Any of you angels, why didn't you remind me? No, God knows everything. He is everywhere and He knows everything. He is omniscient. And we can trust His judgment. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning from the end. And since God is the one who places kings in their positions, what makes us think that this election is going to be any different? Our next president is going to be God-ordained, whether good or bad. And I know our choices are limited. I do. They're so human, it's rough. That's why we need God's heart. I hope that you all plan to exercise your vote Tuesday. Those who are old enough. President Lincoln said this about voting. Elections belong to the people. It's their decision. If they decide to turn their back on the fire and burn their behinds, then they will just have to sit on their blisters. End quote. And I think for too long, this is what we have been doing. As an American, it is our right and our duty to determine the next president and the course that our government and our judicial system will take. My best advice to you as you vote, and I've heard this from many of our Christian leaders, is this. May God give you His heart. May you turn your heart toward His so that when you walk in and decide who is the next president, who is the next congressman, and so on and so forth, you'll have His heart already. And you'll know without a doubt who God's man or woman is. God's kingdom come. God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I just wanted to say, if you don't know this, 
and I've seen it on, I, who has Facebook? All of us probably. And I've seen a lot of the little ballot thingies that come by. You need to click on that if you haven't, or go to your county and click on ballot so that you can see everything you're going to vote for Tuesday if you haven't already voted. I know some have been taken by surprise and they're like, ooh, there's a judge there. I don't know which one to vote for. You need to know that before you get in the voting booth because you can't pull your smartphone out and go, what's this guy represent or who's this lady represent? You need to know that before getting there. So I recommend, and I've already done this, but I recommend that you take the time to figure out who you're voting for. And I think there's also a library amendment on there, or excuse me, a library, what do they call it? A Millage, yes. And, and this kind lady over here who happens to be a librarian, would you like us to vote yes on that? Not, you can't say anything, you have to be neutral. I don't know of too many librarians that don't need extra money. So anyway, that's your, your call, though, your call. No, I'm just giving her a little plug there. I want to change things up now. I'm done preaching. I want to read one more scripture. That if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and I believe that this auditorium represents the temple of God. And set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. And I believe we strive to do that here at Mount Hope, to honor the name of Jesus. I will always watch over it, he said, for it is dear to my heart. God loves us. God loves you. And as I said earlier, I don't know what some of you have had to go through in this life already. It's been tough for some of you. Some of the things you may have gone through I don't know that I could have gone through it and survived it. But I thank God for His mercy and His grace. We pray you enjoyed this message from Pastor Norm Oberlin. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylorChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening. We can't wait to be with you again next week.